Sup guys, this is Joe Blair, host of the Sports Gamble Ramble. I want to take a few seconds here to tell you guys about the Anchor app by Spotify. It is the app that I use to record and promote all of these episodes that you guys have been listening to. It's super easy to use. It's free to download. It uh, gives you the ability to edit and launch your podcast right from your phone or computer. Um, ton of upside to this, super user friendly, uh, and also gives you the ability to monetize your podcast and record nifty little ad reads like this so you know if you're ever interested in starting your own podcast or know anyone that is uh download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and thank you for listening and we are back what's up boys and girls this is sgr Number 19, I'm starting to lose track. It's getting harder to do, uh, think about what number we're on here. We are doing the Los Angeles Chargers today. I'm recording this Monday. Uh, I believe August 16th is the date. Um, like I said, doubling up on the Raiders and Chargers today. Then tomorrow we're going to finish the Denver Broncos to wrap up the AFC West. Uh, this Chargers team, I've hinted at it. I've hinted at it a couple of times over the last few episodes, but I'm really excited to do this one today. I think this is an exciting team. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential to take this uh, for this team to take a step forward as far as a lot of young pieces, new coaching staff here. Um, so a lot to talk about. Uh, last year, decent year uh, to build on for this team. Last year with Anthony Lynn as the head coach, he was kind of a mess at head coach. Um, we'll talk about the new head coach a little bit later, but they went seven and nine, finished third in the division. Rookie quarterback Justin Herbert took over, I think, week two after um, some doctor uh, who is yet to be named publicly uh, stabbed Tyrod Taylor in the lung with a uh, medical needle. Um, so he punctured Tyrod's lung and uh, Herbert got the go and he looked good ever since. Played the Chiefs tough in his debut and uh, obviously offensive rookie of the year last year. Really one of the better uh, rookie seasons we've seen from a passer in the NFL. Um. Yeah, keep going with this uh, little recap. No playoffs last year, 11th in the AFC. Uh, their offense finished 18th in points per game, putting up 24 a game. Uh, 9th in yards per game, though, so producing a lot of yards. Um, 382 on the on the turf. Uh, defense, not good. 24th in points per game, 26.6. Uh, but they were top 10 in yards per game, number 10. Uh, giving up 343. Also, positive turnover margin. I was surprised to see this with this team because you would think a team uh, that finishes top 10 in yards per game on offense and defense um, would finish higher than 18th in points per game and would finish lower than 24th in points per game on defense uh, with a positive turnover margin. But just things did not add up for this team. A lot of situational mistakes, mental mistakes last year that I think cost this team uh, mismanaging timeouts, um, not being uh, prepared to execute at the end of, uh, you know, the half, um, you know, wasting to, at the end of the game. I think they fucked up a cover last year and potentially a win um, by mismanaging the last 30 seconds of a game. And that all comes down to bad coaching. That's on Anthony Lynn. Uh, he's gone. So we'll see if uh, this new coaching staff who will transition into talking about um, can do uh, some things to help this team from a mental standpoint and a preparation standpoint and an execution standpoint, because they do have a lot of talent. So coaching staff, new head coach is named Brandon Staley. Uh, I'm optimistic about this guy. 
I'll tell you why. He was the uh, d- the linebackers coach for the Chicago Bears uh, from 2017 to 2018 uh, under um, Denver current head coach Vic Fangio. He followed Fangio over to Denver uh, to become an assistant on his staff uh, over there in Denver in 2019. So he coached under Vic Fangio for a majority of his uh, beginning NFL career. Um, and then uh, Sean McVay liked what he saw as uh, assistant under Vic Fangio. They said, hey, you can come run my defense for me. So last year in 2020, uh, Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator for the Rams, and all he did was lead the Rams to being the top defensive unit in the NFL. Now, do they have talent on that Rams defense with, uh, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, John Johnson, a good safety last year, some other good players there? Yes, uh, but, you, you know, you're a defensive coordinator. You get your unit to number one in the league in anything. That's impressive. So he only, it only took him one year to get a head coaching job after being a D.C. in L.A., uh, the Chargers were watching pretty closely on their uh, crosstown rival, and they decided to scoop him up. So he's going to be running the defense. Their defensive coordinator under him is Ronaldo Hill. He's a former uh, NFL player and uh, the defensive backs coach in Denver uh, last year when, or two years ago, uh, when Staley was in Denver also. So he coached with Brandon Staley under Vic Fangio. Offensive coordinator is going to be Joe Lombardi. A little bit of background on him. Uh, he was an offensive assistant and quarterbacks coach in New Orleans from 2007 to 2013. Got a promotion, headed over to Detroit to become the offensive coordinator from 2014 to 2015. And then went back to New Orleans from 2016 till last year to, again, be the quarterbacks coach. So he's been Drew Brees' quarterbacks coach during his Super Bowl run. And throughout the last four years, uh, he worked with Matt Stafford for two years in um, Detroit. And, uh, you know, he's a guy. He's going to be running the offense. Key losses. We're going to get into the free agency and personnel breakdown. A um, lot of names as far as the losses. Most of them are depth players, but some starters here. So uh, big one, tight end Hunter Henry uh, signed a big deal with the Patriots. Um, inconsistent as far as being able to stay healthy, but a good player on the field. Linebacker Denzel Perriman was a starter for this team. He's gone. Safety Rayshon Jenkins got a uh, decent-sized contract with the Jags after finishing his rookie deal with the Chargers. Uh, starting center Marquise Pouncey is gone. Uh, starting cornerback Casey Hayward, we talked about him yesterday going over to Oakland. He's gone. Uh, lost two linemen, offensive guard Dan Feeney and offensive guard Trey Turner. Offensive tackle Sam, Sam Tevy is also gone. And then uh, rounding out, um, two more depth pieces on the defense, linebacker Nick Vigil and defensive tackle Isaac Rochelle. All those guys are gone this offseason. Uh, fuck, I forgot the biggest name. Sorry, guys. Melvin Ingram is also gone. Um, I probably should have led with him. He was their starting pass rusher opposite Joey Bosa and a good player for the Chargers over the last uh, several years. So he signed with the Steelers. Um, that's kind of big because – with these pass rushing duos, you know, it really helps a guy like Bosa um, having a guy on the other side so that, you know, teams aren't able to double team Joey Bosa on every play. So we'll see how that impacts this defense going forward. <clears throat> I got to take a sip of water, guys. It's really dry in my apartment. I have to turn off the AC while I record too. So I start sweating about 10 minutes in. All right. So keep going with the free agency. Uh, key additions. 
Um, the biggest move that they made this offseason, and I love, love, love this move for this Chargers team and specifically for Justin Herbert, uh, they got the best pass-blocking offensive lineman in the league last year. Green Bay Packers center Corey Lindsley signed a big deal with this team. This team had one of the worst offensive lines in the league last year, and for a young quarterback who needs to take a step forward, one of the biggest ways that you can help him is by building his offensive line in front of him. They got him the best pass blocking center in the league. It's an awesome move. I really loved it. They addressed the offensive line in other areas, uh, especially the draft. So, yeah, I really like this move. Um, you know, like I said, uh, this team really needed to improve in their pass blocking. They were one of the bottom five pass blocking offensive lines last year. They also brought in a uh, uh, tight end veteran, Jared Cook. We'll talk about him in fantasy. Uh, right tackle Matt Feeler came over. So there's another lineman that they boosted in there for Herbert. Uh, offensive tackle O'Day Obushi also came over. I think he's a backup, but still, you know, building that O-line. And then they got Herbert a backup QB. His name's Chase Daniel, been in the league for fucking forever. Um, so that's good to have like a veteran kind of uh, almost an extension of the coaching staff there as your backup. And then on defense, they brought cornerback uh, Ryan Smith and linebacker Kyler Fackrell in. So those are the big ones. Uh, yeah, no key re-signings. So we're just going to move right into the draft. And then, uh, like I said, they addressed the O-line again. I really like this pick for the Chargers. They didn't have to move up. They just kind of sat back, let the board come to them. And they got one of the top-ranked linemen in the draft, offensive tackle Rashawn Slater. Now, when I did the Lions episode, I said that Penny Sewell was the best offensive tackle in the draft. That's consensus, you know. I don't have a personal opinion. I didn't do enough, you know, film study and research on these two prospects. But there were some people in the draft community and, you know, online that were uh, – putting Rashawn Slater as their number one tackle in the draft. So kind of a 1A, 1B situation. It's going to take a few years to see who the better value is. Uh, but, you know, this Rashawn Slater guy has potential. I mean, first-round tackle, top 15 pick, could be a stud for him. And uh, it could be, you know, Herbert's anchor left tackle for the next decade, um, if he pans out, obviously. Round two, love this pick, too. I mentioned yesterday, but the Chargers have been doing such a good job in the draft recently um, I really like the way that they've been drafting uh, Derwin James, Nazir Her Hatterley, you know, um, Kenneth Murray, uh, Jerry Tillery, Joey Bosa, just like all the defensive talent that they've accumulated over the last few years. This is another stud. Cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. You guys know Asante Samuel, ball hawking corner for the Patriots and Eagles throughout his career. Small stint in Atlanta, but, you know, back end of his career. Uh, but really, uh, you know, a top five corner in the NFL for a majority of his career in New England and Philly, uh, won a Super Bowl with New England. And uh, just I remember as an Eagles fan, the guy used to get pick sixes all the time. Uh, this is his son. So I, I'm a big fan of legacy players in the NFL. I love when a guy grew up watching his father play and grew up around the game and grew up learning from an NFL player. This is what you have to do to make it to the league. This is what you have to do to perform in the league. This is what you have to do to become a superstar. Like, you know, it's like having a fucking coach, it, you know, raise you your entire life. So it's just an advantage, in my opinion. Obviously, you know, the genetics are there. The athletic profile is there. The second round pick out of Florida State this year. Really excited to see this guy play. 
Round three, wide receiver Josh Palmer. Round three, tight end Trey McKitty. Uh, awesome name. Trey McKitty, let's hope he works out just so we can talk about McKitty for fantasy purposes. So we will get into the you know seasonal outlook for this team. Strength of schedule is ranked 17th. I think it's a little bit harder than that's indicated. Again, you know, the Raiders, the Broncos, uh, some teams with kind of soft records that may be better this year that they have to play. Um, also, they do get the NFC East, which is another reason for that low ranking. Um, obviously, 7-9 and nine being the best record out of that division last year. But I think the Redskins are a 10 or 11 win team this year. So I think that division will be a little bit better. If Dak can stay healthy, the Cowboys could be better. So I think the schedule is a little bit tougher than that 17th ranking. There are some winnable games. You know, the Bengals are on there. The Giants are on there. The Eagles are on there. Um, any game between the Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers, those are basically coin flips every time. So there's some winnable stuff in there, but they also have some difficult opponents. They start off uh, Washington, Dallas, Kansas City, which isn't horrible, but um, Browns, Ravens, Patriots, Vikings, Steelers, you know, Chiefs again. These are not easy teams. So it's tough. I don't really have my mind made up for the over-under, but we'll talk about it here, and I'll tell you where I'm leaning. Um, I am optimistic about this team, like I've said, to be better on offense given the upgrades that they've made to the offensive line, given the fact that Herbert's getting a second year. Uh, he's got an extra year to develop chemistry with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, two receivers that could be really good for fantasy this year. And like I said, a lot of really good young talent in the draft over the last few years on that defense. They also brought in uh, cornerback Chris Harris, who I don't know how I forgot to mention him in the free agency ads. Uh, it might have been a trade, which is how it kind of slipped through the cracks for me. But Chris Harris is another major upgrade that this team you know, brought in, veteran corner from the uh, Denver Broncos, who's going to really uh, step in immediately that number one corner role and I think will be better than what Casey Hayward brought to this team last year. So a uh, lot of upgrades. I am optimistic. I'm not sure if it transitions into or translates into wins right away this year. This is a, this is a head coach that's never been a head coach before in the NFL um, or I believe at any level. I'm pretty sure he was just a defensive assistant throughout his entire college coaching career as well. Um, so that's always a question mark. You know, sophomore slump is a question mark for Herbert. I don't see it coming, but it's always a thing to look out for once these NFL defenses, you know, get an extra year of tape on this guy and really start to study how to stop Herbert and, you know, what worked last year, what didn't. Um, I mentioned they have to play the Patriots again this year. They played the Patriots last year, and Bill Belichick absolutely shit down Justin Herbert's throat. It was ugly. Uh, he definitely, you know, Belichick's great against rookie quarterbacks if you look at his track record throughout his career, but this was by far and away Herbert's worst showing last year. And if, you know, NFL teams study that tape of that New England game last year, it could be bad news for Herbert. We don't know. I'm not anticipating that he takes a massive step backwards. Like I said, better offensive line. So I think he, you know, odds are he improves. Maybe not statistically, um, but uh, from an on-play, on-field standpoint, I think he could, you know, take a step forward. But the wins are going to be tough to find this year. I don't love the schedule, like I said. Um, Over-under is nine and a half, and that's just a little too high for me here, guys. So I think I'm leaning towards the under. I hate to say it because I really wanted to come in here and tell you guys to, to just go bet on the Chargers this year. I really want this team to be one of the um, young teams that really gels and all the pieces start coming together. And I think 
Uh, we are going to see a lot of really good building blocks for this team this year, uh, a lot of fantasy value in this team. Um, but the wins is where it's just tough to take this Chargers team to win 10 games. They haven't done it in so long. Brand new coach, like I said, young young team on offense and defense. So I'm leaning under minus 140. The overs plus 110 if you do love this Chargers team. But once looking at the schedule, I just don't know if I can do it, guys. Too many good teams on that schedule. Playing in this AFC West isn't easy either. Uh, that being said, I'm not crazy about these futures, obviously. The division's plus 475. I've said it every episode the last three days. The Chiefs are taking this shit. Uh, conference plus 1175. That's not really juicy enough for me. I think you bet that, and it it shows that uh, the Chargers are pretty much guaranteed to take that step forward. Like you're betting them at their ceiling. You're betting them at the idea that it all does work out and it all does come together. And for me, that's just not a great value for me with a team with this difficult of a schedule in front of them. Uh, Super Bowl plus 2,400 again. You know, I was hoping this would be above 30, maybe 40. This team went 7-9 and nine last year, and they want us to only get 24-1 to one on the Super Bowl. And it's the Chargers who have never won a Super Bowl in their franchise history. First-year head coach. It's just no value, guys. So we're not taking any of this stuff. I hate it because I like this team. You can hear it. You know, I'm so torn because I'm so excited about so many pieces of this team, but the numbers and the betting angles just aren't coming together for me when I look at this. And sometimes you have to have the discipline to say, hey, there's better value out there. You know, I like this team, but maybe it's just something that I have to sit back and watch and, you know, see how it plays out this year because I'm not ready to take that massive leap forward on putting my money on this team to, to be, you know, a playoff team. So playoffs is yes, minus 105, no, minus 125. Probably not betting it because, again, I'm excited about this team. I don't want to torture myself all season rooting for them to fail. But I don't like the yes, really. So it's tough, guys. This is tough. This is really hurting me. I'm probably going to feel the same way about Denver tomorrow because just to preamble that, you know, I was all in on Denver last year. I loved Denver. I, I loved the offense, the young weapons, the draft that they had stocking up Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton. How could it go wrong? And then it went wrong. So <laughs> I just, I don't know. This division's really interesting to me, but I guess I'm kind of talking in circles right now because I can't buy in completely to this team right now, uh, talking about the Chargers. So we'll talk about fantasy because I think this is kind of more interesting uh, for this team. Um, Justin Herbert is going too early in drafts for me. He's going like in a 12-man league late fifth, early sixth. In a 10-man, maybe you can get him late sixth, early seventh, but it's just a little too early. Again, I think you're drafting him at his ceiling. You know, he's going around the same – he's going ahead of guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in drafts. And if you got to ask me, what are the odds of a guy throwing 40, 45 touchdowns this year? I'm taking Brady and Rodgers every time over Herbert. Herbert is a mobile guy. He's athletic. He has the ability to move, but he doesn't run enough to provide you with a fantasy baseline for rushing totals. So 
you know, is he mobile? Yes, but he's more of a Pat Mahomes mobile where he's really just looking to extend the play, get out of the pocket, and find somebody downfield because he's got a cannon. The best part of Herbert's game is his arm, just like Mahomes. Can Mahomes move? Yes, but he's really more often just trying to avoid the pass rush, extend the play, and then find an opportunity downfield. And I think that's what Herbert is as a quarterback, not putting him on Mahomes' level, but similar player type, similar fantasy uh, you know, archetype as far as not giving you that rushing total. So in my opinion, Herbert's got to have a, a Rodgers or a Brady-like season and throw 40-plus touchdowns to even return on that fantasy investment. There's other guys that I'm willing to take a shot on this year. As we get closer to the drafts, more and more I think about it, the more I want Ryan Tannehill on my team. He's just going so late. And with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones there, that offense is so efficient. So there's just guys that I'd rather have later. Brady, Rodgers, Tannehill, any of those guys I'd rather have later than Herbert. Austin Eckler, one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. I don't know how this guy is still underrated. I guess he got you know injured last year, so people didn't get a chance to watch him. But two years ago... I was snagging Eckler in every single one of my fantasy leagues um, because uh, he was going so late. He was going so late. Um, You know, the year that Melvin Gordon had his uh, holdout, I grabbed Eckler in like the sixth, seventh round of some fantasy leagues, and he was the top five RB. And the next year – you know, Melvin's gone and her, and Eckler's got the workload. And Eckler looks great every time he's been on the field. He just got injured last year. But he's so good. He's one of the, I think, top three pass-catching running backs in the entire NFL. And he's very underrated as a runner. People look at him as just this scat back. And in my opinion, I mean, he's smaller, but he's strong. He's sturdy, and he makes guys miss. He's a really underrated runner, in my opinion. There are reports coming out of Chargers camp that there might be a running back by committee. That is like the last thing that Austin Eckler fans want to hear right now. It's the last thing that I want to hear because I want to, I'm willing to take Eckler at the back end of a first round ahead of some of these other running backs. Probably take him over a Nick Chubb, probably over a Jonathan Taylor right now. Um, but, you know, there is two other guys on the depth chart and people are saying they could get more work this year. They're both young. Uh, Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly, both guys kind of got worked in a little bit last year. Neither really overproduced when Eckler was injured, but it's just a thing. There's just this kind of thing at the back of your mind and and this small underlying narrative uh, throughout the fantasy community this year that it might be more of a committee. So it's something to watch, but I just think Eckler is so freakishly talented and so much more talented than these other two guys that I'm not too worried about it. Eckler's uh, on average the first pick in the second round. In drafts, that's about probably where he should be going. Like I said, I'm, you know, a little bit higher on him where I'd take him over a guy like a Nick Chubb because I'm afraid of Kareem Hunt stealing more snaps than the combination of Jackson and Kelly will in Los Angeles. But it is something to keep your eye on because there are reports coming out of camp that it might be more of a committee. That's enough, Eckler. Let's talk receivers. Keenan Allen. Currently middle of the third. You might be able to get him in the fourth. I'm cool with it. If you can get Keenan Allen as your number two receiver, definitely love it. 
Uh, one of the better route runners in the league, always open, always kind of underrated. Now he has a fucking stud quarterback. I think Herbert and him should have great chemistry, and he's a very safe uh, wide receiver in fantasy this year. He might even be a guy that I'm cool with. If you want to go running back, running back, and then snag Keenan Allen as your number one if you have to in the third, you know, there's worse options out there, and you can still probably get a pretty explosive number two. So, dude, imagine starting running back, running back. And then going Keenan Allen, Julio Jones in your draft. Because Julio is like a fourth-round pick this year, which is nuts. That I like a lot now that I'm thinking about it. Mike Williams is the next guy. Going like 10th, 11th round in fantasy drafts. Kind of that same area as Henry Ruggs that we talked about yesterday. And I love Williams this year, too, because Williams is a guy really big, physical, talented, fast, can jump over everybody, can go get those contested catches. He's got all the physical tools. He's been injury-plagued as well throughout his career, mainly because he's willing to sacrifice his body to make these catches. Herbert's throwing the fucking ball up six feet over the defender's head, and Mike Williams is just out-jumping guys going up in the air, coming back down and landing on his neck, and then he fucking misses two games. If he can stop doing that, you know, it'd be great because he could stay on the field more, but that's also kind of what makes him so so good as an NFL receiver. That's his uh, – that's why the Chargers drafted him is to go get those fucking balls. So he plays with some reckless abandon, which is difficult as a fantasy owner. You don't want to see him getting hurt. But he's going so late in fantasy drafts. If you can get Williams as your fourth, fifth receiver, I'm, I'm in on taking the shot because I think Herbert's good enough to sustain two receivers in this offense. There's definitely targets to be had. You know, Hunter Henry's gone, um, and the offensive line got better. I've said it 17 times this episode. So I'm in on Williams in the 10th or 11th. And then we'll wrap up with the tight end conversation. Jared Cook's going late in your draft. You could basically get him with your last uh, uh, positional pick, about 14th round on average. I'm cool with taking the shot on Cook, too. Look, is he getting at the end of his career? Yes. But super efficient in terms of touchdown production over the last few years in New Orleans, playing with, you know, let's face it, kind of a below average Drew Brees at the end of his career. Herbert is an upgrade right now over what Drew Brees was giving you last year. And Cook, like I said, massive red zone target, hyper-efficient touchdown production. Is he going to go for, you know, 800 yards this year? No, probably not. He's not getting the targets in between the 20s, most likely on this offense, but massive touchdown potential. And you can get him practically free. If you want to not invest and stream the tight end position, I think Cook is one of the better guys to look at at the end of your draft. And then the last guy that I want to bring up is the second tight end. He's a younger guy for this team, um, and not many people will know this name, but his name is Donald Parham, P-A-R-H-A-M. This guy's massive. I don't want to get this wrong. I'm pretty sure Google says he's 6'8". Let's take a look. Because I don't want to quote you guys at six. Yeah, dude, 6'8", 256. Um, the guy played in the AAF and balled out. Uh, he's been like an undrafted free agent guy that's bounced around a couple of NFL rosters, went to Stetson University. Um, but, dude, he's so big and he's young. And I'm seeing reports out of camp that Parham could have an increased role in the offense. Uh, possibly by the end of the year, he could overtake Jared Cook as the number one tight end. Now, I'm not drafting Donald Parham, but this is a guy you guys should be aware of. Anytime I hear a tight end is six foot eight, 
Look the fuck out, dude. All he has to do is run to the back of the end zone and stand there, and it's a touchdown. So I'm hearing things that he could be more involved. I'm hearing good things at a training camp. He's a guy to keep your eye on this year for sure. I'm not calling a Darren Waller-type breakout for Donald Parham, but know the name. Know the name, guys, because he's so big and he's young. And if, you know, with a young quarterback, if he develops chemistry with that tight end early, they can grow together. That's always a great thing to look for. That was one of my key uh, key reasons why I was really zeroed in on Zach Ertz during his breakout uh, period um, because I realized that he was Carson Wentz's safety blanket very early in Carson Wentz's rookie year. Um, so that sophomore year when Wentz exploded, Ertz was right there to benefit from it. So these are things that I look for, especially with young quarterbacks. Who's going to be that safety blanket? Who is um, the uh, number one read or um, just, you know, where does the quarterback's eyes go when the play breaks down and he needs to fucking dump that ball off? Tight end's usually a good spot to look for there. So that's it, guys. Yeah, be aware of Donald Parham. You know, like I said, next Gronkowski. Um, not really, but we'll see. Uh, that's it, guys. Um, good episode. I'm having fun with this division. Like I said, tomorrow we're going to wrap up with the Broncos. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of, like, internal – battles with myself thinking about how I want to break down this Denver team. Do I go in on them two years in a row or am I too snake bitten from last year? If you guys want to see my thoughts on the Broncos before or after that episode, uh, go to the Instagram page, SGR pod. It's the first post that I ever did on the Instagram page. It was my, uh, my, my season breakdown. I did a write up for the Broncos over seven and a half wins last year. Obviously, they went 5-11. and 11. So a lot to talk about on tomorrow's episode. That's it today. Two episodes. Hope you guys enjoy keeping you busy. As always, Joe Blair with the SGR Sports Gamble Ramble and Ramble On.